stuff. That's that stuff. And then I have uh, something over here that sounds like this. Oh, what was that? Did you just break a cat's neck? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Who knows what it is? I don't. That's for sure. Yeah. Do you want to see my thousand year at stare now that I've been like doing this for so long? <laughs> yes. Wait. <laughs> Be the thumbnail for this episode. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Welcome to another episode of <laughs> Superstitious <laughs> Paranormal Podcast that everyone involved is just real ready to do life around. It's feeling so great. Ready. We're back for another week. Oh. Sorry, missed you for the past week. Lots going on. Sorry. Still going on, but we're here for you anyway. Oh, it's so busy. Uh-huh. But ha- happy to be here. Yeah. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And uh, we are back with another episode. This is going to be a potpourri episode, That's so right. deal with it. Anything if you can happen. If you've, never heard, if you've never heard it before, exactly. It is a bunch of weird smells. We don't have a topic <laughs> that binds us today. We are free. <laughs> And yet, so so enslaved to the necessity of finding a story without a topic, which is even harder than anything ever, as you'll find out from my story today. Come back. <laughs> There's going to be some really great ASMR stuff going on throughout this entire uh, episode, as you can hear. Oh, wow. That's something both to hear and to behold visually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talk about spooky stuff. We usually try and break it down with science when we can. We have found some random stories that kind of fit that description. Before we get into those, you got any uh, news or updates you want to share, Mr. Shell? They found aliens. They found aliens. That's right. Yes, as you may or may not have heard, there may be signs of life on Venus. Which is pretty cool. This is big news as of a few days ago. Just two days ago, actually. But yes, scientists have detected phosphine, Mm -hmm. which is a particular gaseous compound not produced by any known abiotic process. So things like spontaneous chemical reactions, these are things that don't involve living things, but can produce complex byproducts. But it is known to be the byproduct of anaerobic metabolism. This is sort of the kind of thing that bacteria do. This is something that we can do, but don't love to do. (laughs) It's essentially any kind of metabolism that does not involve aerobic respiration or aerobic input. So no oxygen. That's how the world was for a good couple yeah. of, what, like a billion years or something before. Uh, yeah, a cool, a cool, a cool bill. <laughs> it actually might have been more than that. It was like, I think almost I think half it was. of the time life has been on Earth until finally. It's quite long. Yeah, once cyanobacteria evolved, it started putting out oxygen as a waste product through photosynthesis, and suddenly it poisoned the entire atmosphere to all living things at the time. Exactly. And made it into what we know today. So the use of oxygen is actually exactly just as Jake said, it's... A relatively new invention and born out of the necessity of oxygen being hella poisonous. It's a super damaging molecule. Even our own bodies are destroyed by it. <laughs> yeah, that's why antioxidants uh, <laughs> are important. It's like oxygen yeah. fucks shit up. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of an insane life we live. But on Venus, the acidic planet of love... <laughs> They are detecting phosphine, so that's pretty exciting because it suggests that there may be anaerobic metabolism by an actual organic something or other um, occurring on that planet. So it's somewhere uh, in that atmosphere. Intriguing. It's horrible sulfuric acid clouds. So it's <laughs> it's cool because it, it's the kind of thing that we don't know of any other process that can make phosphine except biological processes. It doesn't mean it's not right. possible. So there's a very good chance that there is just really weird high temperature chemical reactions that happen in venus's clouds 
that could make this through a another kind of abiotic process. Yeah, process. But uh, but even NASA is pretty stoked about it, thinking that this could be a, um, our best clue right now to possible life off of our planet. And it's a nice treat coming, uh, what, just a couple weeks after the SETI radio panel or whatever. What am I trying to say here? Satellite dish was destroyed when a cable broke loose. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. Jesus. One of their, one of their mega huge uh, dishes was ruined by a sort of stabilizing cable that tore through part of the dish. I did not read into it too much other than the headline, so I'm kind of extrapolating here. But <laughs> yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> a perfect segue uh-huh. to our potpourri episode. Yes. Um, of which I have no idea what either of us are going to talk about. So this week is an even number episode, which means that I go You first. go first? Yes. Yes! <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, take us away. Okay. Far, far away. <laughs> Oops, I got a text from Laura. Let me just respond to her. Sigh. Recording with Mr. Shell. There. Speaking of speaking of my last name, I have to say a quick aside, which is that hilariously, some of these spammy kind of like political action emails and text bank institutions or whatever, mm-hmm. folks who reach out almost on the daily have somehow gotten in their system to address me by my last name alone, <laughs> which cracks me up every time. Yeah, Shell, we need your help. <laughs> it's time, Shell. They must assume that that's a woman's first name <laughs> and think yes, they're addressing is, you directly. <laughs> my name is Shella Bram Wyatt. <laughs> Hello again, Shella Bram. <laughs> anyway. You were about to say something about something. I, I think I was about to tell a whole story. Um, so I'll begin by jumping right into this first-hand account, which takes place in the summer of 2012. It's I think it was year. the last year we start we um, referred to it as 2000 number, and uh, before we started calling it 20 number. Ah, yes. I, may have, I, think we, I think it was kind of the in-between year. We call it 2012 or 2012, and then... I feel like 2010 was already a thing. It could be. Yeah, I actually I was know. calling it 2009 and 2008. <laughs> I called it the, the year 2000, and it was... I did 20, honey, honey. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my teenage son and I were camping in our RV. <laughs> there were other campers in the area, but not very close to us. On the third night of our trip, we encountered something that neither of us can explain. This is bear country, uh, and I knew that there have been Bigfoot reports over the years. But No way. S- but what we saw was neither, as far as we can tell. No. Um, neither bear nor Bigfoot. Hmm. We secured all the food and other supplies in the RV and were getting ready to go to bed. It was about 12.30 a.m. My son fell asleep quickly while I was getting a few things ready as we were going to leave this location later in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a map and I started to hear high-pitched screams. Ugh. At first I thought it was a coyote, but it was a single scream and sounded more human, like a woman's scream. Oh. I opened the RV door and stood silent in the doorway. Once again, the high-pitched scream started. This time it woke my son. We both stood at the door as the screams continued from the direction of the mountain. After about ten minutes, the screams stopped. We both went to bed. Ugh. Something startled me while I was sleeping because I woke in a panic. I looked at my watch. It was 2.40 a.m. Then all of a sudden, that same high-pitched scream erupted outside of the RV. As it started, my son jumped out of his rack and fell to the floor. 
I grabbed my 44 just in case. As we looked out through the windshield, the moonlight was bright enough to illuminate a tall, thin creature with light-colored skin. Oh, no. My son yelled, Zombie! It did look like a female human form, but the face and the rest of the body looked horrible. It reminded me of an old witch. No clothes, deformed face, long, light-colored hair, long arms and legs. I figured it stood almost seven feet. It was walking away from the RV toward the lake. I had seen enough. I made sure everything was ready to go and drove out of there ASAP. We ended up near Mono Lake. A few days later, I was able to talk to a ranger as he uh, walked through the camping area. He was an older guy and quite engaging. I described what we hmm. witnessed. My son also verified what we had seen. The ranger got a serious look on his face and said, over the year, uh, and said that over the years, something similar had been reported a few times. He said that they called it Penelope, but he didn't know Oof. why it had gotten that name. That's all he knew. Ugh. Spooky. Very spooky. So this is... Um, go ahead. Yuck. Yes. Yeah, yuck is all. Okay. <laughs> this is, of course, an email sent to Lon Strickler, phantomthemonsters.com, but I chose it because <laughs> it refers to something I had heard of elsewhere and wanted to learn more about. Penelope. Penelope, I've heard Penelope. it called. I'll elaborate more in a moment, but... uh. Anyway, this guy left his number, Lon called him, and the guy followed up with this. Quote, As you requested, I am including a picture that closely matches what we saw, though it is just the face. And the hair was oh, much God. lighter. Like I said before, oh, it was no. very tall, no clothes, long, thin arms and legs. End quote. So he scoured the internet for something approximating what he saw, and here is the picture of what he got. I do not want to see this. Some kind of like... Witch face from some movie or something. I don't know. Some kind of witch face. Yep. <laughs> what are you, some kind of witch face? <laughs> yes, we're talking classic hooked, spooky nose. Uh-huh. Wrinkly gaunt, face. Eyes wrinkly, are weird. Eyes are sunken and kind of shrivelly. Kind of a not exactly delightful demeanor. Mm-hmm. Looking kind of frowny. Yes. Palpatine after the elect- electricity affects his body. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, uh, Penelope rang a bell, and it turns out to be a half-page entry in Scott Francis's goofy little book, Monster Spotter's Guide to North America. Whoa. The entry reads as quick, follows. Quick reminder about Scott Francis, Bacon. What? Who is that guy? Uh, I looked. So I thought the name sounded familiar. I knew there was this, this book was kind of out there, and I'd seen it, and so I looked into it and found this passage. Looked up more stuff by him on Goodreads. I'm, I'm going to link to hit the page for this book on Goodreads. And most of his other books are about, like, furniture making and carpentry stuff, so... Wow. I don't really know. <laughs> it's strangely legitimizing for me, but carry Yeah, on. I don't know. It just has a bunch of different little stories about uh, monsters around the country, or around, actually, the whole continent. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, Penelope. All right. Penelope. So, the entry reads as follows. Penelope is a reputed man-eater fond of disemboweling her victims. Okay. So, already coming in hot. Coming in extremely hot. Piping yes. hot. <laughs> To use the word fond of is so weird, the (laughs) phrase. Uh, Once human, this terrifying creature is the product of a terrible tragedy. Legend has it that Penelope is a woman who was mutated by toxic waste. In the aftermath of an automobile accident that claimed the life of her husband, Penelope wandered into the woods and became lost. Seeking shelter from the winter cold, she crawled inside a contaminated metal barrel. Relying on a diet of uncooked forest animals that she killed with her bare hands, she was slowly transformed by the radioactive materials in her makeshift home. 
Her grief, combined with her exposure to the toxins, made it into a vicious beast with a taste for human flesh. Penelope is said to have claimed the lives of several campers and forest rangers. Hearing that description, I do not think Christina Ricci would appreciate this very much. <laughs> it's pretty standard campfire story slash urban legend kind of shit. Complete with the hand-wavy toxic waste did it monster origin trope. The toxic waste thing. Golly gee, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carry on. And we actually did cover mutation in monster fiction almost exactly a year ago. <laughs> In uh, episodes 81 and 82, our super-duper-stitious special report on creature features. So pretty Mm -hmm. cool. The timing works out pretty damn well. It's almost the anniversary of that. That's kind of perfect. Yeah. So anyway, Penelope is like for sure a made-up story if that is what we know as her origin. Even Lon, the most credulous man alive, Strickler, actually dismissed it as such (laughs) in the same post after he read the urban legend I just recounted. So he's like, okay, it's just... He, He bunched that one up? I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but then something weird happened three and a half years later. Someone else reported a Penelope sighting. No way. This guy whose name is given as Steve M. is pretty verbose, so I have abridged a bit. <laughs> uh, All right. He says, I have been coming to the same area to camp and fish for 40 years. The Twin Lakes Resort in Bridgeport, California, right on the California-Nevada border. About an hour, is it Nevada? I don't remember. I think it's Nevada. On the California-Nevada border, about an hour north of Mono Lake. Mono Lake. My parents brought me when I was five, and now I bring them and my family bring them and my family every year. So I am very familiar with the wildlife. On many occasions, had up close experiences with many of its inhabitants. For instance, one time a bear was spooked and back up into my tent, sending me flying over the other two in my tent. I've seen some stuff. He then goes into a Jules Vernean length description of just how many different species he's seen there. Before <laughs> finally continuing. My wife, stepson, and myself were headed to the creek for some daybreak fishing. We left before dawn to get the car parked and walked to the creek. The time must have been close to 5.30 a.m., and it was still very dark with a slight fog. The trip, which is about a quarter mile from cabin to creek, is always full of nocturnal animals headed home after raiding the local campgrounds. So mule deer, black bear, and huge jackrabbits crossing the road is no surprise. This time, my lights caught something crossing the road that did not have reflective nocturnal eyes, so I slowed down immediately to about 20 miles per hour and tried my best mm. to identify what it was. Mm-hmm. I was having trouble doing so since the thing was moving very low to the ground, its belly mm. just inches from touching the ground. It appeared, v- very, uh, <clears throat> it appeared very pale or white, so I, th- I think goat or sheep. When my high beams mm-hmm. hit this thing, it turned its long neck and glared at us and almost shook its head as if we pissed it off and it didn't want to be seen at all. Gross. Now, the first thing I couldn't understand, that I couldn't understand, besides the way it was crawling so low to the ground, unlike a hunting cat, the legs were all wrong. The, its knees seemed to be backwards, but it was running on them. Hmm. My thought was that it was an escaped sheep or goat that had broken knees, and it was running for its life because it was moving fast. That's As gross. it came closer and closer towards us, I could hardly take my eyes off its freaky legs. I still lay awake at night, puzzled by how they were working. I've not seen any mammal move this way. Closest thing would be a crab or insect. The front and back legs move together in unison. There's no bouncing, swaying, galloping, or jumping like that of a mammal. By this time, my wife could only get out, what the hell, as we saw it from maybe maybe 50 yards away to about 20 yards. We could see that it had no fur at all, just pale, sinewy, stretched skin over long, skinny, well-defined limbs. Its quote-unquote broken knees were actually long, skinny fingers or claws, a foot long or more. What? Yeah, I don't totally understand the image he's describing there, but I guess just like 
hands or feet are just like really long and make super it, long and kind of can like crawl around with them. I guess so. Okay. The torso was maybe the size of a large goat, but also had broad shoulders, very human, possibly like this thing normally walks upright. This is what my wife kept pointing out. The shoulders made it look human. So the whole time I'm watching, look at his shoulders. The shoulders look human. It has broad Those shoulders. Those are classic human shoulders if I ever saw them. <laughs> don't don't mind the toes crawling around. <laughs> All this was freaky, but we both stared intensely, trying to figure out what it was. When we got closer, the face <laughs> became more and more defined. This thing looked like it came out of a horror movie, like a space alien creature or humanoid monster. The nose I was looking for just was not there. Just a flat opening with two nose holes high up on the face. No ears. Just small holes on the side of its head. But whatever they were, they were smaller than a human's for sure? Question mark? <laughs> uh, exclamation point, two question marks. <laughs> As we were within 10 to 15 yards away, I only saw sockets and no eyeball. Like that of a blind cave fish. Now this blew me away. I thought, how is this thing turning its head to glare at me with no eyes? What is it, a ghost? But as it passed us and I came to a complete stop, I saw it zip into the chaparral and kick up dust. Ugh. This thing had been flesh and blood, at least for the 15 to 20 seconds that we observed it. The mouth was closed, but it had tight, closed lips that almost seemed to grin. I have seen a great many extraordinary Ugh. things in my life, so I have learned to be a great eyewitness and not jump to conclusions. My wife is the biggest skeptic I have ever met. Now she's a believer and is afraid to this day of what it was walking around those Sierra Nevada mountains. Well, <laughs> it was definitely real, whatever it was. Yes. It's definitely a normal reaction to see something like that and approach it, and continuously stare at it. Well, they're in a car, so they, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, this one doesn't actually invoke the name Penelope at all, but it does take place in a very similar area, as we pointed out by the landmarks. Yes, Mono Lake. Very different details. Different details, yeah, because like the, I mean, the guy shot, had the picture, and the nose looks way different. It's, but the the lack of eyes being kind of weird like that is is kind of related, and just being gross. Um, but the most important factor to this is that it does rather fit the description of the kind of shit I am only too eager to read stories about. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so the folks who believe that all of this stuff is true believe that Penelope may actually be some kind of ghoul slash crawler slash fleshgate. Which God, I hate the internet for coming up with the term fleshgate. But that there are. Why do some, they call it a flesh gate again? Uh, What's that it's mean? a take off on Skinwalker. Flesh oh. gate. Yeah. You've um, described this to me before. I apologize for. But I mean, not everyone's heard it, and it's the stupidest thing ever. So it it, it does bear uh, explanation every time. What do they call? It? What if they call it like a meat strider? Ooh. <laughs> um. But yeah, so there's maybe some of those critters in uh, the Sierra Nevada, according to people who think that. Well, instead of any one of these things not being true, maybe they're all true. And so maybe Penelope is actually this other thing we think is real. Never mind the possibility that instead of all of these things being 100% true at face value, perhaps folks are either mistaken or just straight up making things up. Making it up. It's true. So Fun story, uh, though. It's very spooky. Right. But who needs parsimony when we get another similar sighting reported just last month, Mr. Shell? What? Oh my god, Leonami. This writer was overwhelmingly verbose, so I have abridged this account with extreme prejudice. Yikes. Uh, he says, quote, It is my hope to find those who have had a similar experience, especially in the region of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, on the border of California and Nevada. 
I'm in the world of broadcast. Nevada. My eyes are my greatest tool for accuracy and detail. I am an accomplished visual artist and have studied the movement of animals closely since I was very young. I also have been coming to the same camping area for over 40 years, so scouting fish and other wildlife in the wilderness is second nature to me. That is to say, I have exceptional eyesight and I feel I'm a better uh, witness to an event than most others. Do you say scouting fish? Uh, scouting fish and other wildlife, yes. Um, scouting fish, okay, carry yep. on. Let's say I have exceptional eyesight, and I feel I'm a better witness to an event than most others. Not only because of my keen eyesight. Did he mention he has good eyes? No. But I also have the ability to keep my calm under extraordinary conditions. So yeah, this is the same fucking story as that last one, but written with far more ornamentation to it. One difference here mm-hmm. is the ending, though, which has a little more to it than the original email. So the last one I just read Whoa. was an email sent to Lon. This one is a different thing. But it's clearly the same story, and uh, but he has has some more stuff on the ending, which goes like this. Do you mean like you mean to say that he straight lifted this? I'll I'll get into what I think happened here. Okay, carry on. But uh, so at the end of the story, he says, "Well, I just about drove off the road and tried to track the thing, but something told me I was better off just watching it run in a cloud of dust into the chaparral. The, the friggin' thing turned its head to look at us while uh, was grinning all with just red eye sockets, and it just zips away, never breaking its creepy crawl." So a slightly more horror story conclusion to the sighting than the one we heard before. Right. That's got me intrigued. Two different versions of the same exact account, the second of which sounds much more like someone trying to deliberately write a scary story. Right, right. If I could just find the original source of that post, then maybe I could find out if it was indeed just creepypasta. Mm-hmm. Thus, the emailed version sent to Lon could be our first confirmed case of someone just straight up trolling him. So I spent longer than I care to admit searching around for this account, but I finally found it only just this morning on the Skinwalkers subreddit. Uh Uh, I'll link to the original post. It's written as one huge wall of text with a lot of the attempted flowery language pockmarked with the numerous spelling and grammatical errors, which are not cardinal sins by any means. But if he's supposed to be someone who's very successful in the world of broadcast, it would be kind of out of character to be so clumsy at writing something uh so when you or i find reddit posts written by supposed experts but in a manner that suggests a lack of the very expertise they claim to have it's usually safe to guess that this is just someone taking a whack at creative writing correct which you know more power to them as some maybe evidence for my conclusion the author also says quote i never heard of or saw this thing again and i have no idea what it could have been nothing adds up i really feel i was not supposed to see this thing People like to say maybe it was an experiment gone wrong or a mutated, deformed animal. What I have to say to that is this thing wasn't sick or dying. It was strong, aware, fast, and would kick the ass of whatever would mess with it. So if this were a real cryptid, someone else would have uh, seen it since this was a campsite. What would it be doing so close to humans if it depended on seclusion for survival? Doesn't add up. So we're dipping right back into the urban legend tropes. Wow. You creature, all this stuff. So, and again, this author never once refers to Penelope by name. But boy, does this story seem more and more like it's trying to lean into the specifics of that piece of lore to kind of lend itself credence, maybe. Right, right, right. Because we're back again to the early conclusion of the whole segment, which is that it's all uh, just urban legend stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that this... And I when I found... So the this story was posted on Phantoms and Monsters just last month. But when I found this old original post it came from, he said that someone forwarded forwarded it to him recently, and then he posted it. Hmm. So someone just sent. He mm-hmm. does take stuff people sent to him, and just like, okay, I found like someone sent me this, and so here it is, without really usually giving much um, editorializing beyond that. 
with the exception of the, the first story I read, which he said, oh, I found out from looking around that the story of Penelope is just clearly an urban legend, so whatever. But, right. uh, so he does sometimes try to, but, um, <laughs> so he got the story, which when I found the original one, it's from four years ago. So mm. either the person who wrote it then emailed him a kind of rewritten version of it saying, oh, this thing happened to me, or someone else just decided to send it in. And what makes me think it may be the same person writing the story in both instances is that he posted about it, like the one that was sent in by Steve M in 2016, and the post on the Skinwalker subreddit that came in later was also from 2016. So it could have been the same person just saying it in more than one place. Which, I mean, maybe maybe the person actually thinks it's happened and then they had their experience colored by an urban legend they heard. That's also a possible thing. They saw wow. something weird and then it got kind of warped in their memory as something stranger than it was. Imagine if all three people really did experience what they said they did, but they can't <laughs> ever get it to sound convincing because it's so <laughs> fake sounding. And they're terrible <laughs> writers, so they <laughs> naturally overwrite. Yep. <laughs> But I also hear you saying, how does this explain the encounter that that father and son had from their RV? Well, if we take for granted that their account was earnest and not a made-up thing like we think the other one is, then I can't explain away what they saw just based on the other stuff being an urban legend. However, if you were to hear some creepy screaming in the night and then wake up from a dead sleep to that same screaming, but right outside and then saw something you weren't expecting, who knows what you might think you were experiencing. I would think I was experiencing a heart attack. Yes. And if your son then yells, zombie, that might color your memory of the experience as well for both of you. Oh, big time. And then if a park ranger somewhere else in the region tells you a scary urban legend about a flesh-eating giant forest hag, you might just use that new information to fill in the gaps, and from then on, that is what you saw. Big time. Oh, my God. Yeah, the kind of idea of being primed to believe a certain thing or remember a certain thing that we talk about all the time on the show final point about that all that though is what about the screams any thoughts on that mr shell shell <laughs> we shell. need your thoughts we on need this. your thoughts yeah <laughs> we're running out of time and just a few thoughts a month will <laughs> help us reach our goals uh i think a lot of creatures in the woods make really spooky loud screams they really do a ton of them do and at nighttime especially when you hear it echoing out from the deep dark wood, mm -hmm. any kind of loud screamy sound is kind of freaky. Yes. So those are my grounded in reality type responses to the situation. Uh, it doesn't take much for me if I hear, you know, raccoons fighting or coyotes or pretty much anything going on. <laughs> it's high pitch. Even some owls can make a really high pitch shrill noise. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a lot of things make these kind of sounds. It's all frightening sounding. Episode 49, we really dug into just scary animal sounds in the night and how many of them there are and how much they can freak you out if you don't know what they are. Yes, indeed. Conveniently enough, while I was trying to find the other post that sounded so similar to the email just to figure out what was going on, I accidentally found something else very useful on the crawler sighting subreddit. Ooh. This video of scary screams in the night. Oh my god, I want to hear it. Yes. You've disturbed the witch. Oops. All right, is this going to scare me, Jake? It's pretty loud, actually, yeah, so maybe. I'm turning it way down. Oh, man, I don't want to do this. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty awful sound. 
Oh my god. So the caption someone made it kind of memefied it. It says you've disturbed the witch. Someone said um mountain lions really sound like the witch from Left for Dead. So it's mountain lions can make some awful sounds. So that was meant to be a mountain lion? That yeah, that is what it is. So they live pretty oh much all over. Oh my god. Let me yeah, listen to it again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well i was gonna say parts of it i thought sounded very uh large cat like yeah or small small large cat if you will but mountain lions are often described as sounding a lot like a human like a woman's voice screaming at times i would die yeah i would die of absolute fear but uh if folks often associate them more with the kind of movie cougar yowling sound but they make oh, a bunch of different freaky god. noises including that one uh, they live pretty much all over the continent from the Rockies westward, so could easily have been around where those guys were uh, RVing, and uh, that's about all I have to say about Penelope at the end. I like it. I like it a lot. And I enjoyed the kind of meta Pointless exploration. Sleuthing? Not even. No, I mean, it's it's meaningful sleuthing for such a pointless endeavor, which is that. <laughs> which is the show? Which is, Yeah. <laughs> that's what it, we should call the show is meaningful sleuthing over a pointless endeavor <laughs> um but you know it's it does matter where the story originates and how it then morphs or is perpetuated yeah and how much that goes towards priming people for further experiences or to simply replicate the story because all all great stories demand retelling yeah. but when it's build is like oh this really happened now you're starting to prime people for experience or misinform them outright. Like, mm-hmm. poor, poor sweet Lon. <laughs> like, we give him a lot of grief on this show. He seems like oh, a yeah. very, like, he seems like a fine guy. He's, he's a fine guy. He's retired. I, he just it's all, it it's all good fun. He spends all of his time just, like, looking up weird-ass stories online or just creepy things and then reporting what he finds. And the reason I find so much stuff from him is because I subscribe to his newsletter. It's a great way to find a bunch of just stuff that's out there. I mean, if we, either of us were retired, that's all we'd be doing, too. Oh, so, hell I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's half of what I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so that's what I got for you. Well, before I jump into my stuff, dare we boot up the NCAA device such that we can run the patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk function on that bad boy? I think that's a great idea. I'm, of course, talking about Pander. Flip it on, Jake. Bam. It's flipped on. <laughs> oh, wow. I made a weird bam noise this time. It was <laughs> plugging into our brains. <sighs> Anyone who doesn't understand what's happening, go listen to any of the other episodes yeah, we've done. We're not gonna, <laughs> we can't hold your hand every time. So we're going to figure out uh, what cryptid or creature our Patreon patrons should work, look out for. Specifically... We're going to try and find out what Colin P. of London should be looking out for. All right. Activating uh, Brain Link. One sec. Okay. Colin P., look out for Guayona. Or Guajana, depending on where or we Gua-Jona. are. Or Guajona. <laughs> yes. The blood-sucking creature of Cantabrian legends, resembling a disfigured human female, resembling... Wait, this is... <laughs> <laughs> resembling to an extent the witches and hags of medieval European folklore 
which features specific to her feeding habits. This is really, really interesting <laughs> that this is happening. I'm fascinated uh, We to know, know that this arcane computer taps into our brains and also the ether to find out what stuff our patrons should look out for. Very interesting that uh, the brain link should be so connected to the story I just told. I mean, this is kind of the uh, the exchange we make, though, with the NCAA. We sort of give our minds over to it. Whatever is there, we simply have to uh, bring forth, which includes the fact that the Guajina uh, <laughs> is covered from head to toe in an old thin black cloak. Be aware, her hands and feet are gnarled bird legs. <laughs> and her face is yellow with consumed rough and hairy warts. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest of the sentence. That we're just, it's too horrible to share. And uh, yeah, so if you see someone with that kind of description... <laughs> Just don't, don't, just don't, and uh, you should be safe then. I will, I will say, I will say, you must be on the lookout. She has a single black razor sharp tooth that is so long it reached down to her under chin and used to suck blood. <laughs> it's like a straw tooth, I'm assuming, and that's just not cool. Uh, where Cantabrian? So. Where does that refer to? Cantabria. Oh, it's northern NC Spain. NCAA search. Thank you, NCAA device. <laughs> yes, and thank you, the quiet voice of the NCAA device in the background. <laughs> oh, God, it's laughing menacingly. Oh, no. Colin, if you are not an adult, you should be okay because Guajona also attacks adults. <laughs> so, and just stay away from Spain because who cares? Yeah, whatever. And thank you so very much for supporting the show. Yes. We really appreciate it. We love you. And we hope you are not attacked by this creature. Uh-huh. Um, uh, goodbye. <laughs> and uh, we'll turn this off. We'll pull it out. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, we thank everyone who supports our show on the old Patreon. There's cool benefits available to you. Digital rewards, you know, bonus content, more of stuff we do, as well as uh, at a certain level you get stickers, quarterly stickers exclusive only to patrons. Right now we have a sticker of the logo for our segment, The Quaff, which is just super fun. The previous quarter is a holographic little ghosty guy from, you know, the little ghost from our logo. It's a version of him made rainbow and holographic. We have, I believe, seven of those left, and they are available to the next seven people to sign up at that level, and then they will be gone and not coming back. I want one, too. <laughs> we may only have six. If one goes to Wyatt, so act quickly. <laughs> um, also, yeah, we have new annual plans. Uh, Patreon just uh, just launched a new thing where you can actually subscribe for a whole year at once and get a discount. Oh, so wow. we just had our first annual subscriber yesterday. Pretty cool. And uh, now, what? yeah, uh, we'll thank. I was gonna say we'll think of thank her now, but we can thank her when she gets her her pander thing happen. Oh my god! Now through Halloween, get. Two months free, which is it's, it's a 16% discount off of the overall price. So it works out to paying for only 10 months out of getting 12. You get it. But yeah, well, we have the special offer of 16% of off, which works out to be two months out of your 12 off now through Halloween. Sign up now to get it. A limited time offer. It's cool stuff. I forgot to run it by Wyatt first, but now he knows. I'm into <laughs> it, and I, I, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy about cool. it. Cool. And now on to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. So, it is 1992, 
And the oh. Chicago Tribune runs an article. Seven years before The Matrix came out. <laughs> Indeed. This is a story of another kind of black substance <laughs> that is not involved in a uh, trench coat or sunglasses <laughs> or a hairstyle. I like the three of those things being substances. <laughs> Have you ever drank sunglasses? <laughs> well, me- Neo basically drinks a mirror in that movie, so I mean... <laughs> Fair enough. Entitled... Blob of sticky goo spreading on roads terrifies Venezuelan drivers. Mm. Caracas, Venezuela. The driving is easy. The road is smooth. And then, suddenly, the car spins and swirls out of control as it skates along a layer of goo that mysteriously covers highways here. Wow. Venezuelans call the goo La Mancha Negra, the black stain. But it's really more like a blob, a thick black sludge with the consistency of chewing gum. No one knows where it comes from. No one knows how to get rid of it. Some say it's oil from lousy asphalt. Others say it's oil from car engines. It could be burned rubber from frayed tires. Some people think it's all of the above. Are you scared (laughs) yet, Jake? I am terrified. Motorists are also petrified of the blob. Government officials are embarrassed and baffled. They've spent millions of dollars studying it, using some of the country's best minds and experts from the United States, Canada, and Europe. They've formed a national commission to study the blob, and even a federal judge is investigating. Wow. Quote, we don't know what it is. We clean it away and it comes back the next day. That's the whole quote. We don't know what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Said Arturo Carvajal. Carvajal. Said Arturo Carvajal, (laughs) an engineer and vice president of a company trying to remove the goo from a Caracas highway. Carvajal's company and a half dozen others have tried washing the blob away with pressurized water and detergent. Mm. They've tried blowing it away with pressurized air. They've tried drying it up with piles of pulverized limestone. And they've tried scraping it away by repeatedly replacing the top layer of asphalt on some blob-infested highways, which, for my money... It's not scraping. <laughs> Agreed. At various times, the government has declared victory only to have La Mancha Negra return bigger and worse than ever. Right after a really poorly timed photo op on a like an aircraft carrier with a big banner saying that they got rid of the blob. Yeah, mission accomplished. And it's reproducing, somehow moving from one highway to the next. Mm. The blob also is a killer. Huh? More than 1,800 motorists have died in five years. Oh, my God. On one eight-mile stretch of blob-covered highway from Caracas <laughs> to the International Airport. Quote, driving with La Mancha Negra is like driving in a Grand Prix. you got to be careful or you'll die, said Antonio Perez, a Caracas taxi driver who frequently deals with the blob. And apparently races when he's on the road. <laughs> It was on this road five years ago that La Mancha Negra first appeared. The government was patching up the 30-year-old concrete highway with asphalt when the first shiny blotches emerged. At first it covered 50 yards, then 100 yards, and now 8 miles. Also at the time that they started using blob as one of the ingredients in their asphalt. Yeah. (laughs) That is um, pretty much the answer to the story. Oh, great. Okay. You'll see. You basically already have. Many Venezuelans think someone made big money by laying cheap asphalt that bleeds oil when the temperature rises. Pretty much. (laughs) 
Well, how about that? Um, but let's go into it with painful and laborious detail. La Mancha Negra, <laughs> the black stain, a mysterious black substance that is oozed from the roads in Caracas, Venezuela, as you just heard. First appeared in 1986. Folks seemingly could not help driving over it and dying constantly. <laughs> um, and if you do the math, it's pretty much one death every single day. Oh, no. <laughs> but most places you look online, including Wikipedia, will describe this as an unexplained mystery. They'll tell you that after nearly two decades of studying and millions of dollars purportedly spent to identify the substance and its source, they just still can't figure out what did it or what it was. So, let's go into a little more of the history. Apparently, preferred tunnels and the uphill slopes outside of the airport. It was gummy in texture and evidently rendered the roadway extraordinarily unsafe. (laughs) The Venezuelan government did apparently step in. They apparently spent millions of dollars to investigate this. In 1994, the Ministry of Transport and Communications attempted to wash away La Mancha Negra, as you heard. They tried to fed, uh, essentially every S cleaning word, spraying, scrubbing, and scraping, even resurfacing the roads. It just kept reappearing. So what's going on? A death a day keeps La Mancha in play? I don't know. That's pretty good, too, actually. Yeah. I don't need your pity. (laughs) You did good, Jake. (laughs) So what is it? Well, we know that it has been described as an inch-thick, greasy, black, thick blob that has the consistency of chewed bubblegum. Wow. And despite many theories, most sites conclude, after 14 years of study, no one knows what the stuff is, where it comes from, or how to get rid of it. So, three theories. First one, poopy. (laughs) Some believe that raw sewage from nearby slums was running downhill under the asphalt and causing a chemical reaction that broke the roads down. Venezuelan engineer and official Fernando Martinez Botola stated in 1991 that he would not only remove La Mancha Negra, but also the residents near the Caracas-La Guerra Highway since, quote, they were part of the problem by creating leaks in the road, which is totally not a political maneuver, am I right? Yeah. Number two, leaky cars. Another theory suggests that La Mancha Negra is the result of countless leaky old cars spraying <laughs> fluids over the roadway. So many cars Just blasting up so, so much. much stuff. This gets back to the conclusions by the Venezuelan Ministry of Transport and Communications, which believed that La Mancha Negra was an accumulation of dust on the roads and oil released from cars that formed a kind of stodgy, super slick paste. 1996, the Wall Street Journal reported that due to the cheap gasoline prices in the country, Venezuelans would drive dated gas guzzlers, stating, quote, Locals call the highway La Mancha Negra because it literally shines with the oil drippings of thousands of big cars that labor up an incline into the city each day. Water tank trucks periodically spray down the road in vain attempts to wash away some of the oil slick that causes hundreds of accidents a year. And then, of course, theory three, which is that it's just crappy asphalt. <laughs> this third and final theory, La Mancha Negra was oil and tar seeping from substandard asphalt. To my mind, despite the Ministry of Transport and Communications stating that the comp- uh, composition of the asphalt did not have anything to do with the formation of the substance, this strikes me as their kind of cover-up, because they did not want to admit to doing a shitty job. <laughs> So to create asphalt cement, one basically mixes tar and gravel. However, it takes just the right mix to make a great piece of asphalt. (laughs) Mixed improperly, you can get tar seepage, which is exactly in the style described by these reports. 
So, all these accounts suggesting that La Mancha Negra could never be fully identified? Basically just creepy fluff. Wow. And again, just to reiterate, it's worth mentioning that a kill rate of about 1,800 people in four years would mean <laughs> that a car was going off the road every single day or oh more, pretty much. So I highly doubt that if that was happening, people would continue using that road. <laughs> yeah, so uh, cute little cute little spooky lunch. Basically, <laughs> describes uh, strikes me as another classic example of what was likely a very real but also very unsensational phenomenon that got dolled up for a bit of press and, despite being over 30 years old, still lives on as a purportedly unexplained spooky thing hmm. online. Very fun. I like it and had never heard of it, never would have heard of it had you not shared it today. So thank you for doing so. My pleasure. Cool. And another kind of spooky black goo that comes to my mind. <laughs> Could only be. The beer coming out of four phantoms. <laughs> That's what you want in your ads, right, guys? <laughs> You want your beer described as spooky black goo. It's a beer company in Eastern Mass, uh, Western Mass, sorry, East Hampton. How Western Mass. Dare I'm so you. sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Which combines elements of what? Dungeons and Dragons, heavy metal, and beer to produce the beverage we all like to refer to as beer. And it's extremely delicious. Mm hmm. We are both, you just finished uh, Johnny Flip Flops. I am currently drinking a witch cult. Ooh, it's so good. We've talked a little bit about Johnny Flip Flops, the uh, mojito sour they've had this summer. Super good. They now it's have some new stuff tasty. coming for the, the changing seasons are happening, and they got some changing beers coming in. So they've got Witch Cult, an IPA that's real yummy. I am drinking my second can of it right now. It uh, is good. <laughs> Let's try some other words. <laughs> It's. I, I don't want to just rip off the exact description from the label. <laughs> the autumn edition of Witch Cult celebrates the coming calm, crisp, cold air and falling leaves. IPA pours a hazy straw color featuring herbal and citrus aromas over a smooth malt body. I would love to have it side by side with all the IPAs they offer just to get a sense of... I want to know which is my favorite because I like them all and I want to know which one I like best. So I think my favorite's Dirtweed, but I will say I'm happy that there's now an IPA that has a body just like mine. Uh. <laughs> And they've also released, I haven't had it yet because today didn't feel like a, a stout day, but you talked about spooky Ooh. black goo, their new version. That of was Worship, what I was thinking of. Worship Doom, their Imperial Stout. We had it last winter. Pretty good. Dark dark chocolate caramel smoke flavors all in there. Extremely delicious. They brewed it with five and a half gallons of dark maple syrup from Graves Glen Farm. So that's pretty cool. Maple syrup from this farm. And you got to have sausage from there? Is that what happened? I didn't did want to bring it up, but yes. You had sausage from this farm, and I didn't even get to... Okay, well... Drew, Drew and I shared a sausage. Jake, don't walk away. Come back here. No, no. <laughs> you promised me when I moved away... No not sausage, sausage dates. Without me. <laughs> I did break the one promise we <laughs> <for> made. <laughs> this is all to say that Four Phantoms is really good beer, and we like it, and you should drink it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jake and I got in a fight over how good this beer is, basically, just now. So please do check them out. Uh, you can... Buy them from local vendors in Massachusetts and Rhode Island currently. Otherwise, you'll have to travel to Mass to check out a little bit of curbside pickup in East Hampton. Uh, you can reach out to Four Phantoms through the contact information that we will leave on this episode's page. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, uh, look them up online. Maybe leave them a review at untap.com. Mention that we sent you so that we will read it. Yep. And uh, yeah, check them out. Thank you, Four Phantoms. And now back to the end of the show. 
so that was the show. Thanks so much for listening. Um, good times there. Please, if you do like what you've been listening to, rate and review. There's a lot of you out there who, you know, talk to us on Instagram, uh, talk about how much you like the show. We're sad we weren't there last week. You could leave a rating or a review for the show, and that would help us in a big way. That'd be cool. If you like us so much, fucking prove it. Jeez, guys. God. <laughs> Our cause we want to shout out this week is a pretty cool one. Super Patron, a creative arts endowment, fuck yeah, is the name of a nonprofit by uh, Jack wow. Conti, musician who founded Patreon. Um, just last year, he announced it for the first time. It's a deal where they choose from a bunch of different applicants who are just creators of some kind. You have some kind of creative thing you want to do, and they give that person $50,000 for a year to just quit their job and pursue their dream full-time to see if they can like make it their actual living from then on. So it's a chance to just like go for it. And this year, they're specifically supporting a black creator, so... If you or a friend has a passion product they really want to get off the ground, this is the way to do it. We will link to that this week, and uh, the applications open until mid-October. Cool stuff. Other than that, if you want to send us your stories, we'll be happy to read them. Oh, shit. I told Katie we would read her story this week, and I forgot to. Let's do it next week. Yeah, sorry, Katie. Thank you for making so many cool merch items for our store. Thank you, Katie. We're sorry we forgot. We're so sorry. It's still going to be good. Yeah, we just got an email actually just before we started recording from Shoba Tatale, subject line, history, message, please record. One sec, I have to see this. <laughs> kind of subject like line, the castle history. arg. I wonder if this person died while writing the email <laughs> to us. Please record. <laughs> oh no, what happened? So... If All anyone right. knows Shoba, please. So, Shoba Tatale or Shoba Tattail or I don't know. Shoba Tattletail. Maybe it's a Illatat Abos? No. There's a mystery to be, be solved here and we're eager for any help there. Yes. I wonder if this is a real account because it is at gmail 123456.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is uh, very spurious. That's the most legitimate domain there is. So... <laughs> You'll have to also send us an email about how you got that interesting email uh, mm. domain. Anyway, in the meantime, we will try to keep recording. We will try <laughs> to be more consistent <laughs> in the face of a lot of work. And we'll catch you next time, which hopefully will be next week. We love you. Goodbye. And we'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>